Hi, everyone. This is a Personal Synthesis podcast. With me is the creator of Personal Synthesis, Dr. Nesh Popovic. Hello, Nesh. How are you? Hi, Bobby. I'm very well. How are you? Very well. Very well. Thank you. Uh, Nesh, today we are talking about one, for me, very interesting theme, and that is the self-discipline. I would like to start with a simple question. Nesh, when we say self-discipline, what it refers to? In simple terms, self-discipline can be defined as doing what you want. Now, let me give you an example. We think that unless we are in prison or in North Korea, most of the time we do what we want, particularly in our free time. However, this is actually not very often the case. You know, if you slouch on your couch and eat chips and have a cigarette and beer and watch some meaningless TV, you may say, oh, we, that's what they want to do right now. But if you ask yourself, do I really want to spend my life doing these things? Probably most people will say no. And then if you ask, but why don't you do what you really want? And they say sometimes, well, I'm weak-willed. I don't have self-discipline and so on. So I think really the best way to define self-discipline is doing what you really want. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And I, I found myself in this example. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a couple of days ago, I'm laying on my bed and I'm watching football. And in one moment, I'm thinking, why am I watching this game when I could go over there and do push-ups or some, some sort of exercise? Then... Yeah. I'm thinking, no, I'm lazy. I'm going to stay laying <laughs> and watching football. <laughs> I'm going to continue just doing what yeah, I'm doing, doing which doing is nothing. <laughs> yeah, this is too hard right now. <laughs> yes. So uh, this is a good example because this is very common. Most of us occasionally find ourselves in that situation. In this episode, what we want to do to actually change that at least to some extent so that you get to the point where you really start doing what you want to do. It's not an easy task, but it is the holy grail of personal development and psychology as a whole. Why is that? Because without some discipline, there is nothing that you can do or change. If you don't have at least minimal self-discipline, you may listen to this podcast, but you are not going to implement or do anything about these things that you hear or practice some of those interventions and so on. So nothing will change. In yeah. some ways, self-discipline is really the basis for being more in charge of our lives. Let's start with one thing that I want to ask you. Do you like self-discipline? When I say self-discipline, oh. it's not about now what you think about it, how you define it. It's how you feel about self-discipline. I would answer to your question like this. Uh, I like boundaries. Right. I like uh, when people, so when I have some boundaries. I always thought if we don't have those boundaries and uh, self-discipline, it can lead to some sort of anarchy in ourselves. Okay, so uh, so you mentioned the term boundaries, which is very interesting for me. And I wonder, do you think that self-discipline and boundaries are the same thing? Or you see uh, a, the difference between uh, these two? 
No, I see difference. Boundaries are something that we naturally need to have. And self-discipline is something that we learn how to develop. Okay, so you're saying that boundaries are natural, right? Is, am I correct? Yeah, yes, of course. Uh, I think that every human being uh, has boundaries. Let's take an example of some of the universal boundaries. You get dressed when you go out. Yeah, yes. You don't go out naked, right? Of course. But that's not actually natural. This is something that the society <laughs> imposed on us from very early childhood. There is nothing in our nature that tell us that we need to get rest when we go out. Animals don't get rest. So it's not exactly natural, but there is a difference between those boundaries and self-discipline as we talk about here. Those boundaries are usually imposed upon us by others, while self-discipline is something that you do to yourself. So they may be imposed upon you in very early childhood. You forgot about that, and that's why it seems to you very natural. Let me give you an, another example. It may seem to you very natural that, to brush your teeth when you get up in the morning, but that's not natural at all. This is something, this is a habit that you developed in early childhood, hopefully. Yeah. So that's one difference. And there is another difference between boundaries and self-discipline. Boundaries is usually about what we shouldn't be doing. We shouldn't walk out naked. We shouldn't spit in the face of somebody else. We shouldn't be drinking too much or, or something like that. Yeah. Self-discipline includes those boundaries, but on top of that also involves things that we want to do, but we are not doing. So as you mentioned earlier on, self-discipline is required to, for example, exercise, do press-ups or do some work or you know, write a report that you don't very keen to do and so on. So self-discipline is a bit broader than boundaries because it includes what not to do, but also includes what to do. So let's talk about now self-discipline in that broad uh, context. And let me ask you how you do, how you feel. So when you were lying in bed and, and watching football, uh, I don't know what you said exactly to yourself, but yeah. you, you said something like, I could, I could be doing press-ups and so on. Why didn't you? That's what you wanted to do. So uh, why didn't you do it? Yeah, because uh, for some things I'm lazy, but uh, for some other things that I said to myself that I need to do, I did it. So it's not always like that. Right, right. And and that's something that is quite common. We yeah. often don't like self-discipline because it feels that it's something imposed on us. But yeah. that's actually true to some extent, particularly when we're growing up. Usually our parents or teachers or other adults would tell us what to do. And they use that words you should be doing your homework now, or you no. you need to do this, you need to do dishes, or you need to tidy up your room, and so on and so on. Yeah. So later in life, we internalize that terminology. You yourself use the term, I need to do, when I need to do something. You didn't say when I want to do something. You said when I need to do something. Uh, yeah. So yeah. that indicates to me that there are two parts of you. One part that is 
that doesn't want to do something and it's like yeah. that child you know saying oh i can't be bothered i'm lazy i don't want yeah. to do yeah, it yeah, 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 and yeah. then the other the other part is telling you but you need to do it you should be doing this yeah yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, just like that exactly yes. like that but and, uh, when i said uh, need yeah uh, for example i'm gonna give you one uh, short example uh you know i don't drink right but yeah. it uh, wasn't always like that When I was young, I used to drink, but I got a stomach problem. Yeah. So uh, my doctor said to me, you need to drink less. So I I said to myself, I don't care about alcohol at all. Why why should I drink less? I, I, could, uh, I, I could stop drinking. I stopped drinking. In this last 15 years, I maybe drank half a glass of beer. Right. I just stopped. I just stopped. I said to myself, okay, I like to go out and drink. And that's about drinking. And someone who goes out, well, these younger people that listen to us, they know how hard it is to go out and not drink at all. Okay, okay. So so this is an example of the, you want to do something. You want yeah. to do something. Yeah, yeah. And it seems that you were very successful with that. Yeah. Do you think that you were successful precisely because you said to yourself, I want to stop drinking rather than I should stop drinking or I need to stop drinking? Excellent question. And I think uh, uh, because I said to myself, I want to stop. Yes. And the reason for that is because when we say to ourselves, I should stop drinking or I ought to or I need to stop drinking or something like that. As I said earlier on, uh, we split ourselves into parts and one part of us is imposing something on another part and we don't like it. That's why self-discipline feels often as a way of restricting your freedom. And yet we know that self-discipline is the main way of actually increasing your freedom. Because without self-discipline, you're slave to your inner drives, to your immediate desires, yeah. to your urges, and, and so on. That's not what freedom is. That's not doing what you really want to do is about. You are actually slave. You can't resist things. You can't resist your temptations. So self-discipline gets bad press, not because there's something wrong with self-discipline, but because we associate self-discipline with that should, ought, need to, and the similar. So yeah. one way to uh, develop your self-discipline and to enjoy the process is to banish that language when you talk to yourself. Stop saying to yourself, I should be doing that. I have to do that. Or I'm, I'm, I mustn't do that. Or I shouldn't do that. And so on. Do you, do you say these things to yourself very often? Not very often, but sometimes. Sometimes we all fall into the trap. But as in your case... It, it, the results are very short-lived because we created internal conflict between the part of you that is saying you should or should not and the part of you that resists. And that yeah. internal conflict uh, not only causes unhappiness, but also is energy-consuming. So you may say, okay, I'm going to diet 
and I shouldn't be eating eating cakes. But the, the amount of energy you need to use to stick to that diet is huge. Not because it's difficult to resist these things, but you spend that energy mostly on that internal conflict between two parts of you. And yeah. then Friday evening comes and you give in and you then gorge yourself and eat more than you would have eaten otherwise in, in those four days of dieting. So one way to develop healthy self-discipline is to avoid created internal conflicts. And that means using different language rather than saying, I should or I shouldn't. You say to yourself, I really want this, or I, I really don't want that. I don't want to drink, or I really want to do some dress-ups or exercises and so on. But there will be still a part of you who will be resisting, right? I mean, when yeah. you are watching football, you can yeah. say to yourself, I really want to do press-ups now, but still there will be the part of you who is saying, nah. <laughs> I don't want to. So how do you think we can get there to do what we really want? Personally, I don't have <laughs> some sort of secret. A couple of years ago when I started working out, I said to myself, I want to work out. I want to look better. I, I talked about that in uh, yeah. one of our previous sessions. And then when I saw myself in the mirror, uh, my figure, I, I saw results. Then I wanted even more. Right, right, right. So you were well motivated. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. I want to come back now to what you were saying earlier on, that you had a, a long-term goal saying to yourself, I want to look good. And that's what helped you to develop self-discipline yeah. and do things that you really want to do it. So yeah. what we have here is two competing motives, if you like. One, just to lie down, eat junk food and do nothing, which gives you some kind of short-term satisfaction. But then you have a long-term goal to look better, to be healthier, and so on. Now, the problem with that is, how do you bridge that gap between the immediacy of the pleasure that you get from doing something that you don't want, but is pleasurable, and doing something that you really want to do, but the satisfaction of doing that is in the future, not right now. You know, that chocolate cake is yeah. in your fridge yeah. right now. Yeah. And you look at being healthier and being uh, more fit and um, looking better. Maybe a goal that will be achieved in the future, but it's not right now there to give you that satisfaction. So uh. we need to find we need to find a way to bridge that gap. And there are actually two ways to do so. One way is to use your imagination. So rather than saying to yourself, I should be doing this, I'm not going to work in long term, you then talk to yourself, persuade that other part of you that this is really good by imagining the positive effects that doing what you want will have and negative effects of not doing what you want will have. Let me give you an example or brought again the example that you talked about earlier on. You were watching football and you're saying, well, 
it would be better to do some press-ups now. Tell me why would it be better than watching football? I thought uh, it would be better for me to do some press-ups or push-ups and not laying down. Now I'm going to play devil's advocate. I'm going to uh, to be <laughs> part of you that is yeah. uh, that wants to be lying down and watching f- football and doing nothing. Uh, persuade me, why sh- shouldn't I? Because it, it would be healthier <laughs> to, do, <laughs> to do some exercises. Yeah, but Bobby, you know what? I, right now, I really enjoy that la- being lazy and not doing it feels good. You know, watching football, yeah. I'm not very interested in this game. It's it's a bit boring, but nevertheless, at least I'm just doing nothing, resting, and that feels good now. Maybe I'll have those benefits in the future, but right now, it's nicer to just lie in the bed. But uh, if you would exercise now, maybe you would uh, like to exercise tomorrow and then uh, day after that. And then you would look better, you would feel better. And this is just a temporary pleasure. This is just a moment you can watch next game and enjoy. Yeah, and I'm not sure that I'm persuaded. And and this is why these kind of arguments fail many times. Everything that you said is true, but your argument is cognitive argument. It's logical argument. And yeah. logic and thinking and cognition of that sort does not have much effect on our feelings or on our desires and so on. You know that. You know, you can give a perfect argument to somebody why they should stop smoking and they don't. Yeah. So what you need to do, a different faculty that is much more closer to our feelings and to our desires. And that is imagination. You remember in one of the previous sessions, we were talking about if you make a link between an image and your feeling, you can bring that feeling up. So this is another situation in which we can use that power of imagination. Rather than telling me, oh, but you will be healthier tomorrow and so on, You can ask me to imagine how I would feel to imagine myself looking in the mirror and how I would feel tomorrow if I do push-ups. When I imagine these things and I look at myself in the mirror, not just tomorrow, but in maybe a month or a year, a few years, that can have much greater effect on my will to do something than just talking about that. By the same token, you also imagine how it would feel if you just lie down and and just watch that football. And you can imagine, okay, so when I finish watching that football and waste a couple hours of my time, how I would feel after that. Just imagine. Don't talk to yourself. Don't think about it. Imagine. This is very often, this works well with people who want to cut down on drinking and so on. So let's say you had a couple of glasses of wine and you think, okay, this is now my limit. But after a couple of glasses of wine, it's so difficult to resist, to have a third one, right? So yeah. just saying to yourself, oh, don't have a third glass of wine, it's not going to work because you are enjoying that more and more. And even if you know that the th- that third glass of wine won't make you feel better, it will make you unconscious, but it won't make you feel better but you still want to have it right now because you are in that flow of drinking and so on but if you just stop for a moment and imagine how you will feel tomorrow morning with the hangover and guilt and all sorts of other feelings that come next day that may have a much greater chance of success than just trying to talk yourself to not not to do it yeah. so that that that's one thing the other thing is the other thing that can help us is really 
try to find something that you really like about that's what you want to do. So let's use your example again. Mm-hmm. So you were watching that football and imagine now that your girlfriend rings you and say, Bobby, let's go out and do some jogging or do or do some push-ups or something like that. What would you do then? I will jump right away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because... I don't hide it. <laughs> <laughs> because you will be motivated. You will be motivated. You will like it. You would yeah. like it. So in the absence of your girlfriend uh, asking you every time to do something like that, you really need to have something in your sleeve to like what you want to do. Not just to want in your head, but to like doing. Can you think about anything that you may like about doing some physical exercises? Yeah, when I exercise, yeah. I have time to think about things. Right, right, to think about And exercises. Yeah, yeah, things uh, that are important to me. I, I think more clearly when I'm exercising. That's great. A very recent research shows that the opposite works too, that you think better when you exercise. For some reason, exercise seems to be stimulating the brain too. So when you're thinking about something, you exercise better, the, or the effects of your exercises are better, and vice versa. So they support each other in a positive way, which is why I always listen to podcasts when I exercise. And that also makes exercising more enjoyable. Some people may like listening to their favorite music which is equally good but there is one thing that can make you feel nice irrespective of what you're doing or not doing you hinted at that earlier on when you spoke about feeling good when you are not drinking and this is that sense of being more in charge of our lives that feels good and whenever you exercise self-discipline that's what makes us feel good if nothing else that sense of that you are more in charge of yourself. So if there's nothing else, just bring that sense, bring that feeling, and that should sustain your motivation to be doing or not doing what you want. Before we finish, I would like maybe to add a few more things, just just kind of uh, mention them, a few more things that help in that process. Without getting into details, our listeners can find more detailed descriptions of these things on our website. I just want to say that other things that help develop self-discipline are rules. I'm not personally very fond of rules. I don't like rules, but for very simple things, they can be useful because very often we enter into dialogue with ourselves. You know, if you, let's say, have a rule to brush your teeth first thing in the morning, you don't think about that. If you don't make a rule out of that, you then enter into dialogue and say, oh, shall I do, shall I not, which is waste of time, waste of energy and so on. So so for some very simple things, rules may, may be very useful, but of course, it would be very boring boring if we make rules about everything. The other thing is self-belief. Thinking about yourself as lazy or weak-willed becomes self-fulfilling prophecy. Nobody is born with strong will. It's developed through practice, through the more you practice your will, the stronger or your self-discipline, the stronger it is. 
So saying I'm weak-willed, it's just misplaced. It yeah. doesn't make sense. It's yeah. all up to you. It depends on you. And it's much better to imagine having some will and the advantages that it would bring than resigning to some sort of imaginary claim that somehow you are weak well, you're weak-willed only because you are not exercising your, your will enough, not because this is somehow set in your genes or something like that. Yeah. Inspiration also is very important. The research shows that willpower can be contagious. So being in company of somebody with good self-control as well as reading or watching something inspiring can help and self-checks. So yeah. if you're about to do or not do something that you may, may regret later, really, the most important thing is just to ask yourself, is doing or not doing this worth breaking my promise to myself and sacrificing my future? Just ask yourself, and if you say, yes, it's worth breaking the promise you gave to yourself and sacrificing your future, yeah. go on with that. But just remember to ask yourself that question. Thank you, Nesh. I think this was very useful. And yeah. uh, for our listeners, we gave so many examples. But like you said, if they want to read more about self-discipline uh, or self-regulation, they can find it on our website, personalsynthesis.com. Yeah. And if they have any question, they can write us and we're going to answer. Yes, thank you, Bobby. And uh, I just want to mention that there is something that we didn't discuss in this episode. And that's our mind can be very crafty about uh, trying to trick us in doing things that bring some short-term immediate satisfaction. We all probably experience something like that. I'll give you a few examples. In the tempting situations, we may say something like, what the hell? Or I'll have just one. Or I'll do it or I'll stop doing it tomorrow. Or I can't help it. Or I need it. And so on and so on. None of these, these are just tricks of the mind. And if you want to find out how you can do something about them, uh, how you can... Outsmart. Outsmart. Hey, that's the word. Thank you. How you can (laughs) outsmart your own mind, please visit our website. Thank you. Thank you, Nesh.